<laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Weekend on Fleek. Fleekend on Week. Fleekend on Week. We have returned after what to you will not be any hiatus at all, but to us has been quite the hiatus. This is the first episode of the second season that we have done face to face. That's right. That um, Corona it bit us. Indeed, um, we did two episodes over Zoom. I think so. But we have decided, after careful thought and consideration, that we can once more do it face-to-face. I prefer face-to-face. I don't know about you, but... Well, there was a certain charm about Zoom as well. Just just using our resources, you know, as it were, and get it done. Much like our, our crafty friend that constructed all those bond things in order to... Uh, Help out James and foil the villains. Q. Q. Yes, and in case you needed a spoiler to know what our topic for today will be, we will be discussing the 007 films. Da-da, da-da, da-da. Da-da, da-da. <laughs> so that's going to be our topic for today. It's going to be an interesting uh, go. We're going to see... How this works. So, because there are so many of these films... 26, 27? Uh, there's 26. There will be 27 come the release of uh, No Time to Die. Uh, Which will be no time soon because of, again, coronavirus. Yes. Just throws a wrench in everything. But uh, I could go through that entire selection, but uh, Katrina, I think it's maybe a... Uh, less well versed in these films than I am, so that's kind. That's <laughs> <laughs> and inaccurate. I'm I'm very very much behind Richard. So we uh, we went with the selection one film from each actor, and I selected the film. So if you have a problem with them, you can come beat up Richard. Sure. I mean, talk to Richard. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. Um, so we selected one from each actor, and we're going to go through those. But before we get into the films that we selected and thus uh, invite the ire of Bondians who are like, I can't believe he's selecting that one. Um, <laughs> because... I actually had the same reaction <laughs> So with a couple of these. <laughs> so before we get into that, let's talk about our background with 007. So Katrina, prior to being forced to watch these films, what was your previous relationship with James Bond? And, and yes, that sounded creepy. As it should, because that it's, it is James Bond, and that's something that he is known for, his relationships. Um, <clears throat> my relationship with James Bond was, uh, I remember watching a couple with my dad, and um, growing up, watching James Bond Jr. Bond. James Bond Jr. Nah, 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 nah. Like that cartoon show, that was me. Before school. Can we just say that is like one of the worst ideas I think I've ever heard for a cartoon? <laughs> Let's adapt Hold on. a film series about a womanizing, murderous alcoholic who does drugs to deal with his <clears throat> chronic issues. And let's have his Ill- illegitimate son? Do we know? No, I don't remember that. Um, 
Because I'm like a thousand years old. It was a long time ago. You know, ago. Uh, let's do a series about him. Yeah, yeah. But that's why they called it James Bond Jr. So they could leave all of those uh, things in the dust and just concentrate on the the spy part of it all. Mm, yes. So my familiarity with the 007 films is that I don't remember how old I was when I saw my first one. Uh, sorry, Mom and Dad, if you're listening to this. I don't know at what age I started watching 007. You were I'm, a wee lad. I'm pretty sure it was younger than I should have. Um, but I I remember watching Sean Connery and Roger Moore. Roger Moore in particular when I was young. And um, I have watched all of them. I've watched them many times. It's to the point where I will watch... The worst of them, probably, and find something to enjoy about it. Um, so I'm I'm pretty well versed into these films and the background of them. It's kind of how I feel about Marvel films, right? Like even the worst of them. Yeah, I'm gonna sit and watch those. So um, without further ado, the films that we selected are as follows. First, from the uh, first. 007, Sean Connery. We have From Russia with Love. From Russia. Actually, I, I just finished saying, I don't remember any of those theme songs. But as but soon that, as I say the name. I swear, the only one I remember. Um, from George Lazenby, we have, because there are so many choices, um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, his one and only Bond film. Following him, we have Roger Moore. I selected for Mr. Moore, The Spy Who Loved Me. Timothy Dalton, uh, The Living Daylights. Uh, Pierce Brosnan, we did Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Every time I say Goldeneye, I hear Tina Turner singing it. Um, And then we have Casino Royale for Mr. Daniel Craig. So those are. Why do you say that one differently? Casino Royale. Mm hmm. I don't know. I feel like your excitement level dropped considerably. Uh, don't don't judge how I say titles, all right? Okay, apparently. That, that is, I'm just there's saying. There's no spoiler. Maybe there was a spoiler. I, no. Maybe there was. No, there wasn't. And you, you, can, you can decide right. for yourselves, listening audience. Okay, so, Week and Fleek. <laughs> let's, let's start it. Let's do it. All right. Katrina, give us your week. <clears throat> I very well may lose my uh, spot on the couch here. Um, so, <laughs> I honestly, okay, my, my bottom two, movies to me are like books, and if you don't hook me right away, I ain't getting hooked, and I'm not watching slash reading. Sometimes I have to uh, for these podcasts or other things. <laughs> But um, I tell you what, there were a couple of these Bond films out of these six that immediately I was like, are you kidding? And um, so sitting squarely at the bottom was <laughs> was The Spy Who Loved Me, that's the Roger Moore, and From Russia With Love with Sean Connery. And I know those are possibly the two most iconic, possibly. Um, but there you go. Those two are at the bottom for me, and um, I think when it all when the dust settles, 
that I'm going to have to say that my weakest was from Russia with love, which is hilarious. I mean, <clears throat> I know how much my my co-host here loves Sean Connery, and I like him. I like him too. Not nearly in the realm of adoration that Richard um, does, but he's a good guy. He's a good actor. And, you know, he's a good Bond. Um, But as far as, like, film entertainment, that did not do it for me. I spent the entire time going, are you serious? 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 And what... What are you serious most about it for me is that it's on a lot of people's lists, like way up at the top. And I, again, I say, are you serious? Um, I don't understand. Like, it's just, it is Bondy. It's also like campy and kind of comic booky. There's a couple of these that are like that. And you could, you could argue, well, yeah, kind of, you know, it's kind of like a caricature anyway. So, you know, and if that's what you're looking at it as, then maybe this this one does it for you, but it just definitely does not do it for me. I the the plot it drug for me. Um I thought it was campy. Um the something great about it was this the scenery, of course, and like that's one of the things about Bond is is that it's, you know, never in the same place. You're going on these you know, wonderful adventures, and you're seeing all these sites from around the world, and I dug that. I did. Um, so that was nice about From Russia With Love. So good job, Russia. I like how the only good thing that you pointed out so far is that it looked nice. It looked nice. Uh, the 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 setting was very, it was very fun. But uh, I didn't love the, uh, the Bond, the leading lady, and I did not specifically, especially feel any kind of electricity from Mr. Connery. And that was a surprise to me, honestly, because I thought with the, with the just kind of grand, almost royal presence that he has. And, you know, I've seen jillions of pictures of him as James Bond. Mm -hmm. I was expecting more. And this, this particular film did not deliver for me. I'm gonna leave it at that, but I do have a little, a little nugget for later. But okay. we'll just go ahead and leave it there. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm not going to do any serious rebuttaling, I guess, at this point. I will say, um, it is the second Bond film ever made, and so it's really, um, it's kind of early on in the template. So there are certain things that are not there that are in later Bond films and there are certain things that are there that you don't see later on. Um, One of the things that I'm glad about is the lack of crazy gadgets. Hmm. Later on in Connery, we get a jetpack. We get (laughs) a car that shoots oil slicks and has bulletproof shields and machine guns that come out of the front. What is this, Batman? uh, Yeah, I mean... It's it's Batman before Batman was even really doing it, at least on screen. So it this is before it got to me really campy. But as far as Connery not making an impression, I'll grant you that. But I, I think for me, the thing about Connery's performance of 007, especially early on, is he's a shark. 
he is not a pleasant human being. He is a cold, baby calculated shark. Killer. Do, 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 baby shark. Come on, you thought you thought the song as well. Not even for a millisecond. <laughs> you can't say the word shark and not think the song baby I shark. Absolutely can and prefer to. <laughs> so maybe it's because I'm a teacher. Maybe that's it. But he's he's a killer. He's he's cold. He is dangerous. He's not a pleasant human being. And I think that um, whether intentionally or not, that's what comes through when you when you watch that film. It's he's he's working for the good guys, but he's not a but good guy. But he ain't one. He ain't one. He's not somebody I would want to hang out with. He's not somebody I would want to be buddies with. He's scary to me, honestly. When I watch <laughs> these movies with him and I see the calculation and uh. the coldness and the um, the intensity that is there, for me, he's more frightening than anything else. So you and, said that it, this is the second one. What is the first? The first one is Dr. No. Okay. And uh, there's... There's a reason I didn't choose that one. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, and they're, again, they're Bond people. What is he saying? Blasphemy. Because everybody has their Bond that they love and everybody <laughs> has their Bond movie that they love. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty hardcore stuff. But for me, when I watch Connery play 007, that's what I see. I see a cold, calculating killer. With very little humanity and very little sympathy. Yeah, and that includes for uh, the people that closest to him. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite scene in that movie is the scenes with him and Robert Shaw, the guy who plays Red Grant, the blonde fellow, who he meets on the train. And oh, yes, okay. Their back and forth, to me, is delightful. Um, and it's... It's interesting and delightful to me because he is, in many ways, 007's mirror. He's the same job. He's doing the same thing. He's just working on the opposite side. And when I see what he does in the film, that's nothing that 007 wouldn't have done had the roles been reversed. Oh, absolutely. And that was one of the things I thought about, for sure, as I'm watching this like if you if you didn't know any kind of backstory at all, right? If we weren't show anything. I mean, it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and the the outcome of the fight. But I love the fight scene between the two of them. I think it's very intense and and uh, compelling. Uh, but so, I understand your complaints. So I will go to my week. Um, my week will be no doubt different from... Well, it obviously is different from yours. I'm guessing that we're going to have a sharp divide on this one. So my week is on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Very sharp divide. Yep, I know. I knew. Very, very sharp divide. let me be clear as to my biggest... (laughs) My biggest issue, and my issue is prejudicial, and I will admit it. And that is... I didn't watch on Her Majesty's Secret Service until I had seen virtually every other Bond movie made, right? Like, it was the one that was always, when it was talked about, it was like, uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, that one. It was this outlier, it was this one that was, I was constantly told was junk. 
and George Lazenby, uh, the actor who uh, plays the character, I was told was was dreadful. And he had the really tall task of re- being the first actor to replace Sean Connery. And Sean Connery was iconic. Say what you will about the character, but nobody who's done the role since has fully stepped out of his shadow. Nobody. Everybody on some level is doing Connery in that role to some extent or another. He's iconic. So He is iconic, but I'm not sure I completely we'll, agree with we'll that statement. We'll get there. Uh, um, so Okay. <laughs> on Her Majesty's Secret Service, for me, is the weakest because whenever I watch George Lazenby, he looks too much like Connery and he acts too much like Connery and he comes off as a poorly he's like a photograph those old Polaroids that like got slightly messed up in the sun or something and so it's like if I squint at you just so you kind of look like the other guy but you're not and it shines through because he doesn't do anything to make the part his own. He is doing a Connery impersonation. Now, could you argue that because Sean Connery was the first, that, that is the, that's the only reference that somebody would have to study? And, of course, instead of being... Maybe that was just the study of Bond and not, and not an intentional thing. And I mean, I and like as a production kind of guideline, it would make sense to find an actor that resembles the other guy, right? For continuity's sake, just for us, for the audience. Right. I didn't. I didn't think he acted like Sean Connery at all, though. I. Oh. Well, I'll, I'll let you talk frame. first. Every frame. I'll let you talk first. He, every time he's on the screen, I'm like, yeah, that's Connery. That's your your impression <laughs> of Connery. <laughs> And it is not doing anything for me. Um, well, Sean Connery didn't do anything for me. Well, so there you go. Fair enough. So that that's probably my number one gripe with the film. the The other gripes that I have are honestly um, small, but watching it from a modern perspective, just like watching from Russia with love from a modern perspective, is is kind of like. Oh boy. Like when the father of the woman who he's interested in comes to him and says, she's like a horse. She needs to be broken. It's like, you're her dad? (laughs) You sure? Um, She's spirited. Yeah. So, um, Diana Rigg, who plays the, the, the Bond girl of the film, uh, does a fantastic job. I love Diana Rigg. I think she's a great actress. I did not feel the chemistry between the two of them at all. And that's, again, because every time I look at him, I see a Connery wannabe rather than an actor trying to do his own performance. And the reason I feel like I can say that is because when you look at Roger Moore, who was the next person after Connery. Connery went back and did the role one more time and then Roger Moore picked it up. Roger Moore does his own version of 007 and he doesn't look like Sean Connery. He looks very different. 
and he moves very different and he talks different. And so there's a noticeable um, shift in tone and in everything, um, but it's still the same character. It's almost like Doctor Who, you know, when they transition from doctor to doctor and you get these very different interpretations. But with him, with Lazenby, I never felt like, and he only did one movie, and maybe if he had made the choice to do more, we would have seen something that stood out a little bit more. But for me... More, Roger Moore. Ba-dum-bum. <laughs> but for me, he never he never made a mark. He never made an impression except as a lesser copy of what had come before. So... So that's here's my here's my take on this. I'm going to go ahead and tell you not right now, spoiler, that's not my on fleek choice. However, yeah. um, I did spend a long time thinking that this this one might be my on fleek choice. Mm-hmm. And I tell you why. I, f- I felt like it was less, he was less of a cad. He was less bondy. And I preferred that. Mm. And Diana Rigg, I almost felt like that was her film. Mm-hmm. Even though it's James Bond, and like he 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 goes he meets her, and at first it's like confusing chemistry. What's going on? But then it was like it became a matter of, like obviously there's something there, and they're working out kind of like when you're like in the beginning of a relationship with somebody, and you're trying to figure this out. Like what what exactly is this? And I felt like. That was really honestly there. That mm. there was a genuine kind of thing like that, and even going to that horse race part where or whatever where they're all together and her dad's like she's she she's be broken or whatever. I was like that that was highly inappropriate, but also <laughs> um, but also kind of okay. Well, I got the I got the visual now. I had, like what kind of person she is. She's a strong person. She's strong willed. She's um, and. Perhaps she's so strong that she doesn't, she'll never put herself in a position where she'll be able to have a relationship. And uh, maybe he sees something in James that is like, you could be the person that wears her down, basically. And I took it that way, I or I chose to take it that way anyway. So any moment that they were on screen together, I liked it yeah. a lot. And I think that I would say that she was such a strong female mm-hmm. and the the strongest i believe of of any of the bond quote unquote bond girls that i saw mm-hmm. and bold claim <clears throat> yes it is um and i would i'll i'll take it i'll take up that fight and interesting that you say that but then considering the tragic end that she meets in the film and you kind of know that it's going to happen but like that lady she does like half of the she does all this driving in the film. Yeah. She has that whole scene on the ice where she's driving that car. Mm-hmm. Um and then of course this is the one where James Bond succumbs quote unquote succumbs and he is married to her. Like you know this is not gonna last. For all of like an this, hour. This is like if you if you don't have no knowledge of James Bond but you're familiar at all with Austin Powers, Mike Myers, Austin Powers, and you know exactly what's gonna happen. They're not going to spend a very long time together, and they do not. And I think that that was emotionally compelling. I also loved the villain in that one. Telly Savalas played an awesome villain, and it was an interesting plot line. So though he may not be the bondiest of Bonds, 
he I felt like he did the part enough to where a good strong plot line right. with an interesting villain and an interesting backdrop with the snow and the skiing and all that kind of stuff with the best of the Bond ladies, that was definitely far from the weakest. And you you have a point. And uh, there has to be something good about this film because Christopher Nolan cites it as one of uh, the films that influences him stylistically. Oh, snap. So. Well, there you go. It's another reason. I love Christopher Nolan. So. Speaking of that, Tenet cannot wait. <laughs> cannot wait. So you have a pretty talented filmmaker who cites this as being something that's pretty influential to him. So, yes, I can. I, I see your point, and I'm not. I'm not going to pretend that my bias is not there. But I think that my bias is valid because I've seen other actors do the part to such an extent that it's hard for me to watch him do the part um, because I feel like there's not much there that is unique to him. I, I agree with the chase, the chaste angle. Although if you're going to go with that, the living daylights is also a very chaste. And I loved that film too. Yeah. And that when I saw that, I was like, Oh nope. Well maybe this one's my, my on fleek choice. Would you like to know why he is so chaste in that film? Why? The AIDS epidemic. Chase, that's C-H-A... Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was the AIDS epidemic. AIDS was coming into a known entity in the world, and uh, the producer said, look, we need to dial down Bond's promiscuity. We need to make him uh, not such an STD go. spreader. C-H-A-S-E-D so. and C-H-A-S-T-E. Yes. So that uh, that is part of the reason why... <laughs> Uh, he has only really one relationship in that one. Yeah. So. And both of those ones I totally dug. Yeah. I really did. Okay. So, I didn't steal your fleek there, did I? No, you didn't. Okay. But I so. love Timothy Dalton, and that's another one that, Timothy like... Timothy Dalton is really good. People, I mean, I, I did my own homework and, you know, research, and people, you know, like... George Lazenby, blah, and, and Timothy Dalton, blah. And I'm like, what, really? Are you serious? Because in that one, and again, I was like, for the long the longest time, I was like, I like the one with the cello. Mm -hmm. The Living Daylights, I totally loved that one. Yeah. I liked <sighs> Timothy Dalton as an actor, period. I think he's very talented. And I think his his take on Bond is unique. And I think he, um, out of all of them, prior to probably Craig was the most um, outspoken in what he wanted from the part. Mm. He said, it's important to me to try and stick to the character that is in the books. He wanted to be true to the source material, which if you uh, watch that movie, he basically, you know, is at one point is threatened with being fired or whatever. And he says, fine, I could care less. And that flippant indifference to his job and that willingness to like toss it away, not something we've really seen from 007 on screen before. And aspects like that, I think he's a, I think he's a really good Bond. Um, I like him in that part. And I like, I like that film. I like him a lot film. too. I like him a lot too. So what's your fleek now that we've waxed eloquent on Timothy Dalton? Okay. So... From Russia with Love was my weakest. I've already gushed over those other two films. So that just leaves Golden Eye and Casino Royale. And I'll just say for right now that 
Golden Goldeneye, uh, it did not reach the peak for me. I mean, it was, it was somewhere in the middle of them. I, I thought Pierce Brosnan, he's a great Bond. Um, but for me, that one was kind of like a caricature, almost in the same way that From Rush With Love, Sean Connery is a, is a caricature. Maybe it's the fact that uh, Sean Bean dies yet again. I don't know. But, That's before um, Sean Bean became famous for dying. Well, at any rate, he does. <laughs> and that was the last time that I saw him die in a film. Um, as opposed to, you know, it being the first if he was just becoming famous. It also was just like, yeah, this, you know, this is like an action film. But it was like, almost like a copy to me, it just seems pretty generic. So anyway, those those things, I'm going to knock those down a couple pegs. Uh, that knock that film down a couple pegs to me. So my number one on fleek is Casino Royale. And um, I was... Um, I just was hooked. I talked about hooked already. From the very first second. Mm-hmm. That opening sequence is crazy exciting. Daniel Craig, I'm just I'm just sitting there like, holy smokes, he's still going. He's like hopping everywhere and running. Holy cow. And um the 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 references about him being a double O and what that means, uh, he it just just to me felt like somebody who does not have a vested interest in the Bond franchise could be invested in this film it that it's an entertaining film on its own without being a bond a bond copy a bond template yes um but daniel craig does an excellent job absolutely um as bond and i i was surprised at how swept up i got with him as bond with the plot line and this is a storyline actually talking about like you know, it talked about how generic I felt like GoldenEye was, even though I know a lot of people cite GoldenEye as their favorite. Um, but, <laughs> um, but this is a storyline that's been told before. And so there's a, another Casino Royale, which I, you probably <laughs> were going to talk about already. Um, and it's like all kind of farce. Um, but this is like, this is legit. And I like, um, I mean, I like campy movies as much as the next person, but I much preferred this like full on, like, of like just jump in the deep end, full on serious, serious bond. And, you know, he's willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Um, and he'll give that line, you know, that there's always a one liner that Bond says, and it usually is some kind of double entendre, something or another that's naughty. Um, and he could deliver that just as well as the next person, but just as far as like a just exciting, um, action packed action film, this one, this one kept my heart racing. I actually think Craig is in this movie, probably the funniest Bond has ever been. In terms of, he doesn't drop corny one-liners, really. He has sharp, witty dialogue that I think a lot of the other films relied on kind of the cheap gag mm-hmm. joke. And for him, I'm sorry, but when he's being tortured 
Oh. Dreadfully, dreadfully tortured. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, to the left, to the left. And you can't help but laugh. But for me, like, the, the that idea of uh, you laugh, but at the same time you're like, Ooh, that's that's the that's the most clever thing that you can probably do in that situation, and just the way that he engages with him and jokes and laughs at him, and picks at him, um, and is funny. Uh, that to me was really good. It was brilliant. I will. Uh, yes, absolutely. It was witty. That that to me, I didn't find funny at all. I just thought, like from a psychological standpoint, in the torture torture scene, like I'm sure he's done his fair share of torture. And so he knows exactly how to get, you know, in somebody's head right. and under somebody's skin. And so he puts himself in that position. And so he's able to maintain a, a um, sense of power in a situation that he could have been completely powerless. Right. And, <clears throat> and not knowing really anything of what was going on. Uh, well, he's being tortured. He thinks that his lady is also being tortured. Right. I, I knew she wasn't right and um and i didn't know anything about what was going on but i knew you just kind of sense it um and like is she a good guy is she not a good guy she's um a good guy guy in quotation marks good person woman good person she's very Um, complicated she was very complicated and she was my second favorite bond girl she's fantastic she does a great job um, and her dialogue with him is really good. Her performance is really good. Um, yeah, I really, really think very highly of her as an actress in that spot, Ava Green. Yeah. And like just intellectually wise, mm-hmm. just again, very balanced. And those, there's those two, the, the one I talked about on Her Majesty's Secret Service and she was my favorite Bond girl. And then this gal, both of them intellectual equals with James Bond. Right. And like it's, it's obvious. It's not just like, I'm a com- I'm computer smart, you know, whatever. And it, like, obviously you're smart, but like you can, you can absolutely feel it. You can absolutely sense it in their dialogue and how they talk to each other, communicate with each other. She saves James Bond's life, um, which is kind of similar to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. How that, that gal, um, I'm forgetting her name. I'm Diana, but that's not her mm-hmm. name. Uh, her character's name. I'm forgetting. Uh, now you're making me forget as soon as you said it's that. It's just on the tip of my anyway, tongue. Anyway, her. It, uh, it's like a, an Italian name. It, uh. But anyway, anyway, she, uh, they're, they're similar to me anyway, those two Bond gals. And just how they, they step up and they f- fulfill their part and uh, they're they're just really good foils for James. And it's not just like the James show. And like, as a woman, how can I be used up by James Bond? And, or how, you know, how can I just get my five seconds in here? Um, which some of the other films, (laughs) that's literally all the women get. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like, well, you're nine o'clock and you're nine 30 and you're (laughs) 10 o'clock. And right. No legit. Um, anyway, um, I could, I could go on and on about this one. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I, um, Mm I believe that I've seen some other of the other Daniel Craig, but I, I wasn't sure. I did go on and watch um, part of the next one, 
which is now quantum of solace quantum of solace and that arguably was, the worst no maybe second worst bond title ever <laughs> it might be one of the worst bond films as well i don't know i it's not the, sadly again the <laughs> The first five seconds, I could tell. Like even it's though not, I yeah. liked Daniel Craig a lot, I was like, Mm-mm, "Well, this ain't doing it." To be fair to that film, the one of the reasons why it is considerably weaker is it was filmed during the writers' strike, and the script was about huh. two thirds done, which meant that they were literally like sitting in front of a, a scene saying, "Okay, um, what should you say?" <laughs> And what should you say? And so you'll notice the dialogue in the film is much more sparse than in the its predecessor. People don't talk as much. And see, I gotta, I gotta have that, you know, intellectual that witty banter. aspect, that witty. I gotta have it. Yeah, and you do not get much of that in Quantum. Uh, no, the the worst title of a Bond film has to be Octopussy. Yeah, I was about to say that's that probably one, Octopussy. That's, huh? that's got to be the worst. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you, and I could wax eloquent on Casino Royale. I think it is an excellent Bond film, one of the best. Um, Daniel Craig. We people tend to forget how almost universally people thought he was going to be terrible. He was. Too short. He was not handsome enough. He was blonde. Uh, you know, and on and on and on. And, and really kind of raked him over the coals before the film came out. And then the, when the film came out, it was like, oh, I knew he was going to be great. You know, <laughs> everybody just uh, kind of jumps like, on the bandwagon. You will lie. Um, but he, he really did a fantastic job. And it's a great film. So, you have any more you want to say? On that? Oh, I'll let you go. Okay. So, my fleek, uh, we've gone over, so, on Her Majesty's Secret Service is my least. After that, it's probably going to be um, The Spy Who Loved Me. Funny side story about The Spy Who Loved Me. I got that as a VHS cassette for Easter one year. <laughs> And uh, it was the only Bond movie I owned a copy of. So I've watched that more than any Bond film. <laughs> I have it memorized, basically. Um, so, And as a kid, I loved it. It's a great kiddie film. Because it's got the submarine car and, you know, all of these crazy gadgets and the, the all that stuff. So uh, for a little 10-year-old, it's it's cool. But as an adult, you watch and you're like, not so much um but i love roger moore i i have a nostalgic love for him and he makes he's like the most he he's the most genteel bond you you look at him you're like you don't actually sleep with those women you just kiss them and then you say good night and you walk out we know you don't really kill those people (laughs) You pick them up afterwards and you take them to jail. You call you, know. you call them genteel, I call them boring. Oh. You could definitely make that argument. <laughs> but he's just so genial and nice. And in every one of his movies, whenever he kills someone, if you read the background, there's always this little note that says, Roger Moore tried to tell us not to kill that character. 
like he's always saying, <laughs> maybe we could not kill them. Um, he's just a nice guy. Um, so I have a fondness for him. Uh, then it would be The Living Daylights is kind of the middle for me. I love Timothy Dalton in that part. I love the um, dynamic that he has. I love his performance. The The villain was bland for me. He was a little too... Just... He, he wasn't menacing. I, and mm-hmm. you, you need some level of that for me for it to be compelling. So th- that one just failed to resonate with me on... I think that was probably the biggest point. And then you have the remaining three. And the remaining three, for me, are really hard to... From, from month to month, week to week, if you were to ask me this question, I may have a different answer. Because From Russia With Love, to me, is a really compelling and interesting film. I know you hated on it. But I think it's, <laughs> it's a product of its time. And so some of it feels hokey. And some of it feels not, you know, as um, realistic or what have you. But I actually think for the time that it was, I think it's a really interesting film. And I I did not care for the Bond girl in that one. But to be fair to the film, she saves his life in the end. She shoots the bad lady. Hmm. So you got to give her some props for that. And I love Connery, although my love for Connery does not stem from his performance as 007. I love him for his later work. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> when the man grew a beard, my love grew. Um, so uh, so then you have from, from Russia with Love, you have Casino Royale, which as we've already spoken about, I love that movie. And then we have what I will today call my fleek, which is Goldeneye. Which I, I knew was going to be here. I love Goldeneye. And I, <laughs> and there are reasons why, and again, acknowledging bias, I think for boys, when you are about 13, 14 years old, whatever Bond movie comes out during that time is probably going to be... Your bond. Your bond. It's hitting you at that sweet spot where you're just getting old enough to know like some of the jokes and what they actually mean, but you're still kid enough to be like, oh, sweet, that was a really cool gadget or, you know, whatever. So I, I think there's that kid in me that will always love that movie. But as an adult, even, I will tell you the things that I like about this film. His Bond girl of the film, Natalia, is actually a very capable individual. When you consider the film, she survives a horrible incident in the beginning. She is like doing her own detective work and figuring stuff out on her own, independent of Bond. She again and again basically sits there and tries to tell 007, look, I'm... I'm competent. I can help you. And for a while there, he just doesn't get how helpful she is. She's my number three Bond girl. And she saves his life in the end. Like, truly, he would have been dead had she not been there. So I think she is excellent. And I think the actress who plays her does a good job. Uh, 
It has a phenomenal cast. This is the first time we see Judy Dench as M. And oh, I Judy. love, love her Dang interaction Judy. with Pierce Brosnan. That initial sit-down meeting with the two of them where she rakes him over the coals. And I love that. I love that this movie, it's, it's really the first movie that kind of stares 007 in the face and says, you're, you got problems, man. You got issues. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. And she's not wrong. And he doesn't even refute that. <laughs> um, to his credit. To his credit. Um, you've got um, Robbie Coltrane, who's playing... Uh, Hagrid! Who plays his Russian ally. You've got Sean Bean, who I love in this role. I love him. And I love this role. For me, he is one of the best Bond villains because he is, again, a mirror image of 007. He is... If 007 stopped being a goodie and started being a baddie this is what he would be capable of well yes but but on the flip side he was his partner originally yes and that to me is like a tired story is like we're 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 friends we're partners and then something happens and then now we're enemies but that gives him an emotional tie to this guy where he's not just somebody that he has to kill, but it's someone that he knew and someone who he had a relationship with that he thought he was friends with. But this, you can see that in any number of, of films. Sure. To me, just like, I don't know. But Sean Bean and Pierce Brosnan, their chemistry, I think is really good. I, I, their fight scene at the end of the film is one of the best that I think 007 has done. Um, and, gosh, what else could I... I could go on and on. <laughs> I think it's a fantastic film. I think it has some really amazing, fun set pieces. I love the tank chase in, in you know, Russia, where he's smashing through the town. I recognize it's over the top. But it's, it's, it's a willing suspension of disbelief. And it makes the movie fun. And that Casino Royale... If you're looking for a serious, entirely, like, not entirely, let's be real, but a fairly world realism, it hues the most closely to realism that you're probably going to get out of any 007 film. Mm. But if you are looking for escapism and a little bit of drama and emotion mixed in there, you want Goldeneye. And my last praise is going to be Pierce Brosnan. I I love Pierce Brosnan. I love him in this role. Um, I love him in this film specifically. But I honestly, I'm not sure that I think it's his best performance as 007. I think that's in the world is not enough, which people will talk about the quality of the film. I'm not talking about the quality of film. I'm talking about his performance in huh. it. Um, I especially loved um, his rendition of the Bond song. <laughs> very techno. Um, but... I love him. I'm just kidding. As uh, he he is famous for singing in another movie. Yes. In Mamma Mia, so I was just putting that in there as a little little jab, little little, joke. little jibe at my man Pierce. I love Pierce <laughs> none, Brosnan. But, none but love for him. He's he did a good job. 
I think he looks the most like Bond is described in the books. He's physically, he's, he's a handsome man. But I also think he's a great actor. And I think he, he takes the bits and pieces that had come before. The, the Roger Moore kind of campy, jokey, and the Connery cold scariness. And he mixes them together and he adds, this is going to sound corny, but I, I genuinely believe it. He adds heart to the character where he makes him on some level sympathetic. And that's not something that I think we'd really seen very much of prior to this. So for those reasons and a myriad of others that I will spare you, um, I'm going to say <laughs> for me, GoldenEye. Not to mention Tina Turner saying GoldenEye every time I say the title. That's what goes through Hey, Hey, ain't no hating on mm, Tina Turner. Hello. So, hello. We have come down on very different sides of, of the coin So interesting. Um, but. So, so the weak side for me would have been from Russia with Love, uh, Spy Who Loved Me, and GoldenEye. And then the other three were my own fleek choices, Course Casino Royale. Um, at my number one spot, also on His Majesty's Secret Service, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, his, her, her, his, and The Living Daylights. Mm-hmm. All interesting films. Now, here's, here's a little nugget. Now, I did a little bit more research, and I started watching more Bond films. Um, and again, if, if I wasn't hooked right away, I was like, nope, next. Yep. And so, <clears throat> I ended up watching uh, a couple more. And if you had chosen Goldfinger, mm-hmm. my answers would have been different. And you know what? If you were to ask most people which Sean Connery film they would have put in the mix... I think a lot of people would have said Goldfinger. It is probably of his films, the one that has the most iconic moments in it. It, it has the does. Aston Martin. <laughs> it has the the over the top villain. It has you know the tropes really get introduced in that film, and your answer might have been different. And you know what? Feel free. That's interesting. It's just interesting. Like, I didn't want to bring that point in there too early, but but it was interesting. So, for somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience with James Bond, if you're looking for films to watch, um, these six could be good for you. You can also venture out a little bit. And uh, Goldfinger is a good choice. It's uh, If you want, if you like that original campiness, if you like, say, for Batman, the original Batman with Adam West... I mean, if it if that kind of flavor, that early Bond is kind of that flavor. Yes. It's not, it doesn't go as extreme as that, but it, and I, I really do enjoy that as um, Adam West is Batman and the Batman yeah. film, but. Um, for me, it's too much camp. That's why I go, too much camp. I go for my From Russia. But I mean, camp has been part of the, I mean, Jaws in the. Uh, the Roger Moore that we talked about, where he's chomping down on things with his teeth. Like, he can't be, uh, can't be that campy, um, because in Goldfinger, the the um, the bowler hat. No, <laughs> the cars, the cars yes. get squished. Yes, and the people be in the cars. Yes, they do. That was genuinely frightening. I was, I was nervous slash scared of that. You know what's cool. something interesting about James Bond? 
that you find in James Bond movies, which you don't find in all kinds of movies, which I liked, is there are still moments as um, as action-packed as they might be, um, there are still moments of stillness and quiet mm-hmm. that don't make the film lag if it's done right. Right. And I feel like in each of these films, there are moments like that. Some of the moments happen when he's talking, when he's at the office talking to Money Penny or M or Q or, you know, whatever. And in other times, there's a, a time I'm thinking of in Goldfinger where they're just kind of standing around talking. Like, you know, if you, you looked at this from a worldly perspective and, and thinking about other films, like somebody might be like, that's really... Uh, boring, right. but it's just kind of something that happens in James Bond. Is there is moments of stillness, and I appreciate that. As a franchise, somehow or another, they are able to do that, yeah. and you know, well, let you catch up or or whatever. Yeah. I don't I don't know how or they achieve it, but well, they they do it. It's kind of special to that franchise. And, and theme songs. That's true. You know, nobody else does that anymore. There's just certain things that apply to them and only them. So, we're short on time, but I I have two things that I want to discuss. First off, not the best film, but the best actor for you. Who's the best actor within these films? In Bond. In Bond. Who plays Bond, in your mind, the best? Um, I'm going to say... Uh... I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Brosnan or Craig. Hmm. And they're different. Very. And to me, like all all those reasons you said like people were nervous about Daniel Craig and he proved them all wrong, I think that's would probably inch him forward for me. He just he ended up being a very big surprise. Also just like really manly. Mm-hmm. And Bond very. should be manly and all of the other five are. Absolutely, but there's something there's something about Craig because he's there's, built like a freight train. Maybe that's it. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> uh, he is because out of the previous ones, I would say probably the most physically imposing would have been Connery. Connery and his uh, was a big guy. Yeah, but even Connery was lean, large in stature. You know, he's kind of a lean guy, but uh, but Craig is is built. Um, and I would, and when it comes to actors, I would agree. I think it's a tie between uh, Brosnan and Craig, but I give Brosnan the advantage. And the reason I do is because Craig's first performance in Casino Royale is really, really good. But his later performances, I think he loses some of the, not without reason, he loses some of the emotion. He loses some of the heart that he gave it in the original, and he becomes more cold and more unfeeling. And I think uh, that has has to some extent been to his detriment. I have seen I have seen some of those later ones of his too, and I I can see that. And I wonder if it's not on purpose. Yes. Because he lost his his yes. his love his and like yeah and. I feel like that definitely affected, well, obviously it affected right. him, but um, anyway. And he's definitely the most serialized. He, his movies go into each other. They're mm-hmm. not really separate animals yeah. like the other guys were. 
uh, they'll reference things, but they're not, you know, this leads into this and this leads into that. So it's a different animal these days. Yeah. But, so, so, so just flip side of that, who's your weakest bond? Just go. Lazenby. I'm going to say more. Understandably. Because more, more, you never really buy more as being dangerous. There's just no danger there for mm. me when I look at him. Danger. I, I see him and I'm like, you're sweet. <laughs> you, I have heard you say that before. And I didn't have that reaction. I was just like. I always do. Hit the snooze button. Um, my, my producer and wife, <laughs> I think, tends to agree with me when she sees more. She's like. Well, he's nice. <laughs> he's just a nice guy. Um, and I love Connery, and I love Connery as an actor. And he's, for me, he's always going to be the scariest because there's no human component to him. He, Richard's eyes are bugging out of his head like right now, just so a you know. quip machine that will kill you. <laughs> And walk away and be like, I'm fine with that. I'll, Dead bodies. Yep. And I'll, then I'll go take a shower and then mm-hmm. I'll come out and I'll make love to this girl who's mm-hmm. just randomly on my bed. And your dead body may be in the closet <laughs> and it's not going to bother me in the slightest. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on keeping on. That's so Bond. Um, and so, yeah, he's he's always going to be the scariest for me. So, um, last, and obviously we're going to try and do this briefly, but for you... Why do you think that this series has gone on for as long as it has? And when you consider these films, do you see anything in them that is um, morally... Problematic? No, not problematic. Redemptive. Do you see an ethical or a moral reason for watching these films... Can you get something positive or meaningful out of watching a Bond movie? Do um, they have value on any sense well, of the word? I feel like if you're looking for it, you could find it um, in anything. I'm not just talking about Bond. Um, I've uh, Well, it, it, it is a fair amount of escapism. You mentioned escapism just in general. And... Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's there's something about it, kind of similar to Doctor Who. Doctor Who has similar uh, incarnations, mm-hmm. like, and it goes away and it comes back, and people right. are really excited to see it. And why right. they're so excited to see it, like, who can pinpoint what that is? Right. It just has that much of a cult following. It becomes it's like a part of pop culture, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of the success of it, and like it becomes part of people's. You know, whatever childhood, like you said, you got, you got that James Bond movie for Easter or whatever, and you know it's been part of your life, and that's just how it is. Um, it's just kind of embedded in, uh, to society, and kind of, you know, like men want to be James Bond and whatever, and like for all its troubles, and you know, we could have a whole other discussion about. Uh, the treatment of women in these films, and mm-hmm. that would not be a favorable conversation. No. Um. But, you know, it, it, you can kind of see some things like we need to work on as a society from uh, these films. So that could be the moral redemption is that you can see it on right. the screen. This is wrong. Yeah. Um, and, but like for escapism, like a template for action films, I can see from other franchises how they have borrowed and oh, used yeah. 
James Bond over and over again. Again, that might be the redemptive thing that it's such a template. Right. That people can borrow and use it. Yeah, I would agree um, with a lot of what you said. I, I definitely think that part of the reason why it is endured is because it sets itself up as almost aspirational. Like you said, men want to be James Bond and women want to be with James Bond. Is kind of this mantra that we've been given that he is the paragon of masculinity and um, power and strength. And therefore, we should wish to be him and or be with him. Um, but for me, when, when I think of... Because I watch these movies, obviously. Repeatedly. <laughs> um, he even... I was watching one and he comes in the room. He knew exactly what it was from like the first couple of notes of the song. Right. Okay, this is how much Richard knows these movies. So okay, I'm continue. very familiar with the material. And there's escapism. I think when you look at these films, you have to say first and foremost, it's escapism. It that is that is the primary reason. But if there is any moral value to be obtained from it, I think it is best to be obtained as looking at 007 as a tragic figure and a cautionary tale. When a person, because it's not that he's a bad person in some senses of the word, right? He fights for people to not die. He prevents tragedies and terrible things from happening. He saves the world, blah, blah, blah. But his... But the world is not enough. The world is not enough. (laughs) Um, Again, but But he, from a personal point of view, is a deeply messed up individual. To put it... Uh, bluntly to put it bluntly he's he's a wreck and you know is it worth could could he not do both could he not be an effective person and someone who's helped the world in a positive way but have his own personal life be a little more i don't know not train wrecky you would think to me the answer is yes and it's it's a tragedy that he can't figure that out so if you find yourself in a career and you cannot separate and you cannot have a normal life you should reevaluate yourself okay um so how many out of out of scale of one one to ten martinis shaken not stirred Mm. how many would you give the james bond film series now are we talking overall or are we talking the six that we looked at we have to say these six because we talked about these okay so if we're gonna take these six I'm going to give it, Honor Majesty Secret Service, bringing it down. Whatever, dude. Um, whatever, big W on that one, whatever. I'm going to give it a 7.5. I have my seventh martini and I want just a sweet more. Um, <laughs> you you, you uh, drink in that little bit in the, yeah. in the cup that they shake it in. There you go. That's the extent of my knowledge of um, alcohol making is that little cup. Yes, the, the shaker. The shaker. I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give it uh, six and a half martinis. There you go. And because uh, um, Cena Royale was bringing it way up. <laughs> that one was there two were, martinis there, by itself. Huh? That, one, that one, yeah, that was yeah, a couple by itself. But it was good. I enjoyed a lot of things about it, and I will I would be willing to watch some more. So there you go. There you go. That's James Bond. Those six, a taste of all six Bonds. Uh, bonds for the six white tastes. What? <laughs> wow. 
Eloquence. Which one's your flavor? <laughs> Farewell, audience, before we mangle this exit any more than we already have. <laughs> Leave alone. It was fun.